Welcome, and thank you for joining us on the City Point Church Sermon Podcast, where our desire is to help you follow Jesus. We are so glad that you are here, and wherever you are listening from, we believe that God has something in store for you through today's message. I want to invite you to find your Bible this morning and turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there's one underneath a chair nearby. You can grab that copy of God's Word and page 169 will get you right to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4, we're really going to work through this entire chapter. I won't read it all, but I do want to read a good portion of it this morning. And I want you to follow along as I read in verse 1 of Joshua chapter 4. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, this is the nation of Israel, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. In verses 8 through 18, the people follow that command, and 12 men are chosen from the 12 tribes. And God parts the waters of the Jordan And the people of God begin to march across on dry land. And those 12 men gather a stone, one each. And when they get to the other side and they they arrive in Gilgal, they stack those stones up. And we pick up the story in verse 19. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Each week, as we unpack a passage of Scripture, I like to give a big idea. And it sits over top of the text and helps us to understand and grasp what God is intending through His Spirit to teach us from this text. And so here's the big idea of this text. It's simple this morning. Stones tell stories. Stones tell stories. On the evening of January 7th, 1964, 21 people gathered in the, in the home of Tom and Deanne Arn to discuss the need for a new church in Tempe. A document from that evening states, quote, 
In South Tempe, construction is booming. By the way, Southern Avenue used to be the southernmost portion of Phoenix. This was it. In fact, the document continues, this is presently the most active construction section in the Phoenix area. Our proposed permanent location is to cross the street from a new grade school and about one mile from a new high school to be built during 1964, now McClintock High. During the bond election for the new high school, it was said that you could stand at the school ground and see 9,000 homes under construction or planned in an area of two square miles, end quote. Southside Baptist Church held its first official service the following Sunday on January 12, 1964 in the Tempe Mortuary at 405 East Southern Avenue. Dr. Willis J. Ray served as the interim pastor and Ted Geiger served as the choir director. There were 50 people in attendance that day and an offering was collected in the amount of $202. The nursery met in the home of Kyle and Laura King a few blocks from the mortuary. On Mar March 19th of the same year, 1964, the church group gathered at Harmon's Restaurant in Tempe for a kickoff dinner for a new building program. Four acres of the Maloof property at Rural Road and Southern Avenue had been placed in escrow, and the Baptist Loan Fund Committee had approved a $50,000 bond issue. Then, on Sunday, June 14, 1964, the church broke ground for the new building right here on this property. Although construction was not yet finished, leaders held a vacation Bible school the week of August 20th, 1964. Ninety children came that week. And despite the air conditioning not running until the last two days, the week was a huge success. Southside Baptist Church held its first Sunday morning worship service in the new building, which is now our children's building. On August 30th, 1964, there were 125 people in attendance. For the past 60 years, the brick and mortar of this campus has housed a gospel preaching church and these stones tell stories. When we forget the past, we miss God in the present. You see, God had moved in the people of God before the story that we read a moment ago. Forty years earlier, God had rescued and redeemed the people of God out of Egypt, causing them to miraculously cross over the Red Sea. But the people of God doubted that God could then lead them into the land of promise. And so because of their doubt and because of their unbelief, God caused them to wander for 40 years. But 40 years have now passed, and a new generation has risen up. And God is again going to lead them across now another body of water, the Jordan River. But first... God gives to Joshua an unusual command. That unusual command is, I want you to find 12 men, one from each tribe of the nation of Israel. And I want these 12 men, as they are crossing over the Jordan, to each grab a stone. And as they grab this stone and you get to the other side of the Jordan, you will eventually rest in Gilgal. And I want those 12 men from those 12 tribes to take those 12 stones and I want them to pile them up. I want them to stack those stones so that those stones are a memorial because when we forget the past, 
we miss God in the present. And a former generation had forgotten and lacked the faith to believe that God could do it again. And God didn't want that to happen again. And so he gave this unusual command that this pile of stones would be stacked up in Gilgal. They had forgotten God before, and God didn't want them to do it again. And these stones were to tell a story, a story of God's faithfulness. And so if stones tell stories, the question we want to ask this morning is, what stories do these stones tell? There are three groups of people in Joshua chapter 4 that these stones are speaking to, stories that they are saying to three different groups of people. So number one, if you're keeping notes, these stones, number one, tell our children God is faithful. These stones tell our children God is faithful because it only takes one generation to forget. Look again at chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. So that this will be a sign among you. These stones will be a sign among you when your children ask, what do these stones mean to you? See, it didn't mean very much to them. It was just a pile of stones. But to the parents, it meant so much more than just stones because it represented a story. Verse 7, you will answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. See, there's only one explanation for these stones, and that is the miraculous move of God. That God was faithful to do for the people of God what they could not do for themselves. He performed the miracle that day. And God knew that stories are stickier than facts. Fact God is faithful. Story. One day, God parted the Jordan River and allowed us to walk across on dry ground. Story, or fact rather, God pursues people. Well, here's a story you'll never forget. There was a shepherd, and he had 100 sheep. And one day, one of those sheep went and wandered off, and so the shepherd left the 99 unattended and went after the one until he found it. When he found it, he put it on his shoulders and he brought it back home and, and, and called in the neighbors and had a party and threw a celebration because that one lost sheep was found. Stories are stickier than facts. Fact, a church family will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. Story. In 2003, Jody Young received a call that her husband, Keith, had been hit by a drunk driver while he was on parole. She was immediately rushed to the hospital, not knowing the severity of the situation that took place, only to get there and to find that Keith was fighting for his life. But in the days and the months that followed, a church family rallied around the young family, so much so that the pastor's wife at that time went and lived in the home with their young children, protecting them from the mob of reporters And making sure that they were taken care of while Jody slept in the hospital next to her husband as he fought for his life. See, it's one thing to say to your children, your church loves you. But now there there are two children, Alex and and Amanda, who have a story to tell, not only for themselves, but now that they can pass on to their children of God's faithfulness. Because stories are stickier than facts. We must pass our faith to the children. The psalmist said, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Let me ask you, what stories of God's faithfulness are you passing to the children? I heard a story of one of our members, a lady in our church, just two, two and a half weeks ago. It was New Year's Eve. 
And she was needing a little bit of extra money, and so she prayed a simple prayer, and she said, God, I need to make $200 tonight. I'm going to go out on Christmas or New Year's Eve, and I'm going to do Uber Eats so that I can make an extra $200. She put her young son in the back seat, and she started delivering some food. She got to one house and delivered a teriyaki bowl to a man, and he looked into the car and saw that boy, and he says, I know what you're doing, and I see you. And she hand, he handed her two $100 bills. See, there is a single mom who has a story of the faithfulness of God, but there's also a young boy who is sitting in the back of that car who now also has a story of the faithfulness of God. It is our turn to tell the stories of God's faithfulness to the next generation so that this will not just represent a pile of stones to them, but that it will represent a faithful God. Stones tell stories. If we are going to pass our faith to the next generation, that means that God must first be real to us. Listen, parents. Listen, grandparents. Don't come to church so that your children and your grandchildren turn out okay. This is not some bargaining chip with God. I'm going to go to church so that, they, so that they love God. No, you go to church and you love God for you. See, the best thing that you can give to your children is, is a sincere and a vibrant walk with God. No, you're not perfect. We get it. They know you're not perfect. But there you are loving God and worshiping God and praying and reading the scriptures and going to church and doing your best to love Jesus and to walk with him. And they are going to see that. I've been a pastor for 16 years, which means I've been a pastor long enough to watch parents who went to church only so that their children would turn out okay. And what happens is those children turn 18 and they leave the church and they go off to college and then those parents don't know what to do so they leave church because it never meant anything to them in the first place and the children see that. Let God be real for you. And as God does the miraculous in your life, you will have stories to tell. Don't, don't compartmentalize God to just your Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. There are everyday stories of the faithfulness of God that we must share and tell to the next generation so that they will know and believe that God is not just, God is not just information. God is not just facts to be rehearsed and trivia to be known. But he is a personal God who loves us and provides and is working in our lives. So don't just share facts about God to your children. Share the stories of his miraculous faithfulness that will widen their eyes and ignite their hearts. Stones tell stories. These stones tell our children God is faithful. But the second group of people that these stones are speaking to from our text is these stones tell the world God is powerful. I want you to see it in our text in verse 23, right towards the end of the chapter. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we crossed over. And here's why, verse 24. So that all the peoples of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty. God is not just flexing here. God is not just showing off here by parting this Jordan River and providing this miraculous scene. He wants the unbelieving nations of the world to know that he is the one and true mighty God. That they might know, that they might see. The promised land does not represent heaven. I'm sorry if I burst your bubble. I heard a song just yesterday, and they were going on and on about the promised land when there's going to be no more sin and no more darkness and no more night. I'm listening. I'm thinking, I've read the book of Joshua. That doesn't sound like heaven to me. The promised land does not represent the sweet by and by. It represents the actual now and now. 
You read the book of Joshua, what do you find? A land full of unbelievers called Canaanites who had wholly given themselves over to the lesser gods of this world, but God's heart was still for them. God's heart was still for the other nations that they might turn, that they might be converted, that they might believe in the God of Israel. God's mission has always been to all the world. This is not just a New Testament thing. Isaiah 45, verse 22, God says, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. And so in Genesis 12, God chooses the nation of Israel out from among all of the other nations to represent him back to the nations. They are his chosen people so that they might take his message to the world, so that they might, through their fidelity to God, and through God's power at work in their lives, represent God to the world so that others might be compelled to believe. And so salvation is not just a great escape where we disappear from this world to live in isolation with all of our Christian friends and hang on until someday we get removed from this mess. That's not what salvation was meant to be. Instead, salvation is the gracious gift of God given to those who are undeserving, and it brings us into a partnership with God. And so now we, his people, just as Israel back then, we now, his people, are meant to take his kingdom to the world so that other nations and other peoples and other people groups might know and believe that there is one true God in heaven who died for their sin and offers to them eternal life so that through faith in Christ they can come into that relationship with him. We live our lives sent. Jesus said, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. We must allow unbelievers to hear the stories of God's power in our life. This, the stories of God's power are not just so we can sit around in our life group and, and share what God's doing with our Christian friends. The story of God's power in our life is so that we can go to those who've not yet heard and share with them what God has done in our life. I wonder this morning, do you, do you struggle like I do sharing your faith? Boy, sometimes it can be hard. What do I say? Like, what if they ask me a question? I don't have the answer to the question. Let me give you a pro tip. When it comes to sharing your faith, here's a pro tip. Share your story. Share your story. Well, I don't have, I don't have a, a real dynamic story. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really have a, a, whole, a whole lot to say. Well, did God save you? Did he forgive your sin? Did he offer to you an eternal relationship with himself? That is a story of God's miraculous power. Share that story. A man came to our church a couple months back. His name was Adam. And it was his first time here. It was our food truck friend day. And Adam found us online, and he came and was a part of the service that day. And I met with him afterwards, and we were talking. And Adam shared with me that he had, he had lived the last several years as a Satanist. And I don't want to over-sensationalize that in any way, but he had made several strong agreements with demonic entities, and those demonic entities were still terrorizing him. We sat on that couch in the back after that service, and he asked me, he said, John, do you think God could forgive me for all that I've done? I mean, after all, he had worshipped God's worst enemy. And that day, after sharing some scriptures with Adam, Adam bowed his head and he prayed and he accepted Christ as his Savior. Our church family has been rallying around Adam because it's no small thing to go from Satanism to following Jesus. 
I was meeting with him last week, and I'm trying to meet with him regularly just to disciple and to mentor and to pour into him what it means to follow Jesus. And he shared with me that he wants to put together a video of his story. And he said to me, he said, if it would just help one person, it would be worth it. Understand this morning, Adam needs to tell his story, and so do you. And I can promise you, Adam's story and your story is going to help a whole lot more than just one person. The power of God, the miraculous move of God. Stones tell stories. These stones tell our children that God is faithful. These stones are meant to tell the world that God is powerful, an unbelieving world that denies him, an unbelieving world that rejects him. They can't reject the story of a changed life. Stones tell stories. Thirdly, these stones tell believers God is wonderful. These stones tell our children God is faithful. They tell the world God is powerful, and they tell believers that God is wonderful. Look at verse 23 again. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you crossed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we crossed over. Here's why, verse 24, so that all the peoples of the earth might know the hand of the mighty Lord, the, the, the Lord that it is mighty, and you, that you would fear the Lord your God always. These stories are not just for everybody out there, they're for everybody in here as well. That we would recall and rehearse and remember the work of God in our lives and the work of God in our churches that you would fear the Lord. What does it mean to fear God? It doesn't mean for those of us who are believers to cower at his presence in fear of his wrath and his punishment because God has not given to us a spirit of fear. Perfect love, the love of Christ, cast out that kind of fear. So what does it mean for us to fear God? That fear is speaking of a reverential awe. To step back and to say, God, you are awesome in the truest sense of that word. That we would marvel and wonder at his works. These stories that the stones are telling are meant for us to step back and say, God is amazing. Seeing these stones for the people of God would take them back to the miracle. And it would once again renew their awe and wonder for what God did. Listen, we've got to go back to the miracle. We must go back to the miracle of what God did. We all stood at the brink of a Jordan River, separated from the land of promise by the insurmountable obstacle of our sin. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. In other words, God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Us trying to forgive our own sins would have been like the Israelites going out there with cups and trying to like bucket the water of the Jordan River out of the way so that they could walk across on dry ground. Good luck. It's not going to happen. And that's the same as you and me trying in our own strength and in our own religion and in our own spirituality and our own good works and our own best effort to somehow get ourselves across to the land of promise, the abundant life in Christ. So God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And if you are sitting in this room and you have put faith in Jesus Christ, then you have a miracle story. Go back to the miracle and stand in awe and stand in wonder and stand in amazement at what God did in your life. Stories of salvation awaken the wonder. 
they awaken the wonder. Let me tell you some stories. I want to tell you the story of Carson. Carson moved to Tempe to pursue a career in powerlifting. And one Sunday, he looked up churches nearby, and he found City Point Church. So he got in his car, and he drove down the block, and he walked in. An usher brought him down to the front row. He sat right down here where Christine is. It was the first time Carson had ever walked into a Christian church. Right on the front row. He didn't know what he was getting himself into. Carson started to come every single week. Week after week after week after week. And I began to share the gospel with him. And Pastor Joel began to share the gospel with him. And several months later, he texted me. He said, hey, can we get together? Can we, can we grab lunch? And so we got together right down, the, right down the road here at a restaurant for lunch. And we sat down. And Carson said, hey, wait a minute. Before we order, I've got to tell you something. I gave my life to Jesus. I told Carson, I said, you're not allowed to do that without me here. Carson, a couple weeks later, got baptized. Listen, stones tell stories, and these stories awaken the wonder. I could tell you the story of Ashwin. Ashwin moved from India, grew up in a, in a Hindu home, moved from India to Tempe to further his education at ASU. And I'll never forget, his, his girlfriend was a Christian, Divya, and she began to bring him to City Point Church. This is back when we met at the Moxie Hotel, much closer to the college, and so they would walk to church every single Sunday. Then we moved down to the YMCA. They started, bring, they started riding the bus down to church, and they always had their backpacks on because they always had some schoolwork that they had to do after church. And they came week after week after week. We began to share the gospel with Ashwin. And I, I got to tell you, he came for over a year. And finally, one Sunday afternoon, I was, I was working out in the gym after church on a Sunday, and I got a text on my phone. It was from Ashwin. He said, I'm ready to give my life to God. And in that moment, as I'm surrounded by all these guys lifting weights, I start weeping in the middle of the gym, which is the most unmanly thing that you can do. <laughs> the next week, I met up with Ashwin, and I just wanted to be sure. I said, Ashwin, Hinduism has a whole lot of gods. Which God are you trusting today? And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I could tell you stories. I could tell you another story about a young man named Lee. Lee moved from Texas to Tempe. He was living in an apartment here in town with his, with his sister, and he really had just gotten to the end of himself, the end of his rope. By his own testimony, he said, I wish that one day I'd drink enough to not wake up. And in a moment of desperation, he Googled churches nearby, and City Point Church popped up. Well, he didn't have a car. So he got on his Uber app, and he got the directions from his sister's apartment to City Point Church, and that, that ride was going to cost him $8.52. He went over to his checking account, and he checked his checking account. Can you guess how much money he had in his checking account? $8.52. When, uh, when, he, when he shared his own testimony at his baptism, he said God was purchasing a one-way ticket to himself. <laughs> Lee came that day. Joel was preaching that morning, and Lee put faith in Christ. 
Listen, these are stories, and I could, tell, I could go on and on. I could tell you stories about Trina and, and, and Christine, and I could tell you stories about Aaron. I could tell you stories about Dorian. I could tell you stories about Dakota. I could go on and on about stories of people's lives, and many of you in this room could go back 10 and 20 and 30 years, and you could share some stories, and you could tell me about that child who put faith in Christ at a VBS, and you could tell me about that teenager who went on that missions trip and trusted Christ, and you could tell me about that adult who right in this auditorium raised a hand or walked an aisle and trusted Christ as their personal Savior. And why do we say all that? Because it's not about the stones. It's about the stories. It's about the lives that have been changed by the miraculous hand of God. So God comes to Joshua. He says, I'm going to do something that's going to blow your mind. And I don't want you to forget. And so I want you to have 12 men grab 12 stones from that riverbed, and I want them to pile, the, pile those stones up on the other side. And I want those stones to tell some stories. And these stones have been speaking for generations. At 1001 East Southern Avenue, much more than just a pile of stones has been erected here. It's a beautiful campus. And buildings do not change lives, but what happens in them does. And if these walls could talk, they would tell the stories of 60 years of God's faithfulness. You'll never know the full impact of one story. So I want to share with you by way of video an example of a story that is still making a difference. Good morning, City Point. My name is Chad Garrison. I'm lead pastor at Calvary for the last 32 years in Lake Havasu City, Arizona. But I grew up under the ministry of Southside Baptist Church in Tempe. And I'm just wanting to say thank you for the way that uh, your investment in me uh, has paid dividends for the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, I grew up from the time I was 12 at Southside. I heard great biblical teaching. Uh, so I developed a love for the word of God. Uh, my life was formed by the youth ministry there as they poured into me and taught me what it is to live as a, as a young man of God. At 16, at a youth camp uh, with Southside is when I said, God, you can have all of me. And I surrendered myself to him, asking him to direct my life and lead my life. A year later, I committed to being in ministry. And then uh, actually my first ministry opportunity was as a youth intern at Southside, where uh, I learned about ministry and then eventually was mentored by Danny and Lori Kirkendall and just seeing the way they did ministry. Uh, and eventually, uh, I was married at Southside to my, my wife, Merelda, and uh, was ordained at Southside. So you guys have left an imprint on me and my ministry that continues to this day. Uh, I learned how to do ministry. I learned how to love scripture. I learned how to serve God under your, your guidance. And I pray that you will continue this. I'm delighted that City Point is continuing that legacy of reaching people with the gospel and growing them up as disciples of Christ. So I'm praying for you, I'm praying for Pastor John, and I appreciate the opportunity uh, to just share a little bit of my story and the impact that you had on me. God bless. We, we can never know the impact of even just one story, one changed life, one influenced person. And I want to say to City Point Church this morning that God is not done. God is not done. There is still work for us to do. In closing this morning, I want to share just one more story. 
if I could. I've shared a lot of stories today, but I want to share one more. In our earliest year, our first year as a church plant, I received an email from a mom that I'd never met. She lived in Michigan. And she, she sent me an email, and it was a lengthy email, and she was telling me a little bit of her backstory and her family. She and her husband, they had ten children. And she saw, my, my wife and I, we have four boys, and she has four boys, and there was a connection there. But then she began to explain to me about one of her sons named Seth. And Seth had moved from Michigan to Tempe, right down the street from where our church was meeting. And she, with a broken heart, explained that while they raised their children to love Jesus, Seth had walked away. And if you had gone up to Seth and tried to have a conversation with him, she said that Seth would have probably claimed to be an atheist. And when I got to the end of that email, this is the final paragraph that she concluded that email with. She said, Pastor John, would you and your church please pray for Seth? Would you remind your congregation that there are people praying for them? Praying that they live their lives sent. Knowing how they treat every sales clerk, every waiter, every lift rider makes a difference. Please tell them there is a mom and dad all the way in Michigan praying that the Holy Spirit would lead someone to love on our son in a way we cannot. And please be ready. in case our prodigal turns his heart and comes running back to Jesus. To be there with arms wide open, ready to help him learn again how to live a life, surrender to the one who loves him and not to the one who wants to destroy him. Last year, that mom came by and visited the campus. I was able to meet her and her husband. And Seth still lives here in Tempe. I'm thankful for all the stories that these stones tell us. But there are still stories to be told. There are still lives to be reached. There are still Seths to be reached. There are still Carsons and Ashwins and Lees to come to faith in Jesus. And so for us as a church, it's our turn to carry the legacy. We are now the ones who are to live faithfully to live our lives sent, to give generously, to serve sacrificially. It's our turn now. The baton has been passed to us. Now is our time. Now is our moment. And so while we look to the past and we remember what God did and it gives us faith and courage for the present day, we are also looking to the future and believing that God is still at work and God is not done. It's a work for us to do right here in the heart of this city. This no longer represents the furthest, the southern furthest most part of the city of Phoenix. It now kind of represents the heart of it. And the demographic here has changed, and the city has changed, and the cityscape has changed, but the mission of God has not. And the call on the people of God has not. And so now it's our turn to be faithful and to carry that legacy and to run well and to serve Jesus and to believe that the best is still to come. Stones tell stories. I have one question as we conclude this morning. Each week we want to learn to live. So just one question and it's this. How has your story changed because of God? How has your story changed? 
Maybe you're sitting in this room and you are still separated from God by the insurmountable obstacle of your sin. Maybe you're hearing these stories and sitting in this room and you're thinking, I don't know that I have that moment. I don't know that I have that miracle in my life. Understand that today can be the day of salvation for you. And that if by simple faith in what Christ has already accomplished for you, if you will put faith in Jesus and in Jesus alone, he will forgive your sin and he will welcome you into a relationship with himself. And so if you are here today and you've never put faith in Christ, I invite you today, trust in Jesus. How has your story changed because of God? For some of you, your story changed right here in this room. Right here on this campus. God intersected your story. and God changed your life. Go back to the miracle and rehearse the miracle over and over and over again. And let it cause you to wonder and stand in awe and amazement at who he is. God is still changing stories. God is still working in people's lives. So let's celebrate and let's rejoice and let's thank him for what he's done. And then let's believe that he still has work for us to do. Can we pray together? Father, we thank you for your word, for this text. We thank you for the truths that resonate in our hearts still today. And Lord, I pray that you would give us your strength as we continue the legacy. As we seek to make a difference in our city for the kingdom of God and for the glory of your son. Lord, if there's one here in this room that has not yet put faith in Christ, I pray that today they would do that. That they would believe. If there's one here like Seth who has wandered away and somehow, maybe they're not even sure how, they've ended up in this room this morning. I pray that they would know that there is a church here ready to receive them. Ready to welcome them with open arms. God, I thank you for those who've come for this service just to be here with us representing the former members of this church. I thank you for their presence today and I pray you'd bless them as they serve and love Jesus in their respective churches and as they are continuing to walk with you and to pass that legacy to the next generation and to new believers and may you continue to strengthen and use them to do just that. We are grateful for all that you have done and we look forward to all that you are going to do and we pray these things in Christ's name. Thank you for joining us today. To find out more about City Point Church, visit us online at citypointaz.com. You can also find us on social media at citypointaz. Be sure to leave a review, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends. Now from us here at City Point Church, go seeking to live on mission for the glory of God with this truth stamped over your life that you are loved.